Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Is at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar and you get a better buzz. <laughs> with the Savage Premium. So go to go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Well, welcome to today's Michael Savage Podcast. Today we're continuing to look at the Ukraine-Russia-United States, shall we say, tragedy that's unfolding because of Biden, who is either misadvised by Obama or just posturing. Nobody knows. I'm calling it wagging the dog. And I have a phenomenal interview today with Joshua Klein of Breitbart, which is a great site. And we'll play that interview in a minute. But first, what I want to do for you is read for you emails I've received from friends who will remain anonymous and what they're saying. So I'm calling this people are talking. And here's what they're saying. One of my friends said so far, it's all bluster. Never forget, Hillary sold off our uranium and Biden gave Russia Nord Stream. I bet Putin has compromat on Biden. Ukraine has bribed Hunter too. Driving Russia into the hands of China is the biggest mistake. They are natural enemies. China should not have been driven into the hands of Russia by Biden. Another article came out by Jamie Seidel from news.com.au. And his headline is, Big Clue That Shows Russia Is Ready to Invade Ukraine. And then it says there's been posturing for 12 months, and now there's a sure sign that last-minute preparations for invasion are well underway. And he wrote this. For months, the world's been watching Russia mass troops and tanks on its borders with Ukraine. Is it a bluff? Is it a political wedge? Or will Putin invade? And he says, here are the clues to look for. War is a complex thing. You need main battle tanks, artillery, strike jets. These are just the tip of the spear. A vast support network must be put in place to be effective. Without it, they're toothless tigers. Moscow has successfully slipped such a mobilization under the radar. The bulk of the force was left in place after scheduled so-called war games early last year. All it needed was a last-minute surge of specialist equipment. He says that's well and truly underway. Everything is almost in place from ammunition carriers to grave-digging units. Grave-digging units. Did you know that armies needed grave-digging units? I didn't. Now, according to the Snowcroft Center for Strategy and Security, it's a matter of watching for cyber attacks, snap military exercises, and evacuations of non-combatants. Hmm, well, they've already evacuated some non-combatants, haven't they? He then goes on to say war, the difference between games and reality. Moscow's military presence in the Ukraine has been causing concern for almost 12 months. And he says the troops are there. They didn't go home after the maneuvers were over. He said it was a, an intimidating act, but not a deadly one. Lieutenant Colonel Tyson Wetzel told the Atlantic Council, Russia had not deployed crucial combat platforms and enabling capabilities and units, including modern fighters and air defense systems. Intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance 
and electronic warfare systems, and logistics and combat sustainment capabilities and units. But then the article goes on to say, but over the past week, Moscow has suddenly begun putting these missing pieces in place. It's turned out to be a job it could achieve relatively quickly. And that's why its invasion intentions have been such a surprise. Russia is going to need to call up reservists out of civilian life if it is serious about invading and occupying all or most of Ukraine, says Colonel John Baranko. That's going to have an economic impact and cause discontent among the public. So Moscow is unlikely to do it unless it's serious. He ends by saying this. Fighting in Europe's winter will be cold, but it's not especially difficult. The ground is hard with ice. Trees and foliage have largely lost their cover. But lousy weather will be a problem. Quote, according to Colonel Benjamin Johnson, Russia will want favorable weather conditions for moving around heavy armor, which is why we should be looking for weather reports that the ground is fully frozen and a good stretch of sub-freezing temperatures. Hmm. Weather conditions in Ukraine are not optimal for a Russian ground attack with heavy forces right now, he says, and there is a short window before the normal March thaw. Colonel Johnson also believes Moscow has not deployed enough medical units to be serious about a fight. He says, quote, there have been sporadic reports of Russian field hospitals, but we should be looking for reports that they are fully manned with medical personnel. If it intends to attack Ukraine with a heavy force, the presence of large amounts of medical equipment and manned mobile field hospitals will be an indicator. Field ambulances are easy to identify because of the Red Crosses. It's a fascinating article and highly detailed, and I hope that uh, you study that in great detail. So some say it's highly unlikely. Some say it's very likely. And others are uh, not so sanguine about anything. One depressive friend of a friend wrote that there won't be a United States in 2024, he said. I'm sad to say. He said, I hope I prove wrong, of course. Z, Putin, the Ayatollahs, know they must take the gamble soon while senile demented Biden and giggly scatterbrained bimbo Kamala are in the White House, along with the political generals that Obama elevated when he got rid of the fighting generals as Stalin did in 1936. That's a hell of a sentence, by the way. The depressive friend says, I have little doubt that Putin and Z will attack with cyber and more COVID like bioweapons as well as psychological warfare soon, especially since Germany and France will not fight Russia over Ukraine and the Baltics. He says Putin will take Ukraine and Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania back and Z will take Taiwan. NATO is now a paper tiger. All this talk of NATO unified against Russia is obvious bullcrap. He says Trump's health is an issue as he is overweight and eats badly. Also, he is still surrounded by closet lefties, and he is making tactical mistakes, alienating his base by a tsunami of money requests. Of course, I would still vote for him in the unlikely event that we have an election in 2024 that is not rigged by the communist AK Democrat Party. He closes by saying, did you see they took down the statue of Teddy Roosevelt at Museum of Natural History? He concludes by saying it's over for the USA, I'm afraid. Complete lack of confidence in federal government and then blue state governments. All it takes is an attack on U.S. infrastructure for the whole house of cards to collapse. We are all in imminent mortal danger. Well, that's from a depressive and a pessimist. Maybe you possibly agree with him. Who knows? We don't know. It's all up in the air. And now we go to the interview with Joshua Klein of the great Breitbart.com on the Savage Nation podcast. Michael Savage, 
a host like no other. Just this week, I was interviewed by Breitbart's Joshua Klein for an article that he wrote about what I see happening in Ukraine. This article is now up on michaelsavage.com and on breitbart.com entitled Michael Savage Accuses Biden of Wagging the Dog. I said there's zero national security interest in Ukraine. So I want to play the audio from the interview for you and hear what you think about it. Josh, are you there? Hi. Can you hear me loud and clear before we begin? Yeah. So we're going to just do this on the fly, correct? Um, yeah, I mean, generally, like, um, uh, you know, like the interrelationship between our borders. I mean, we can't believe that Biden, the Democrats suddenly care about, you know, the sovereignty of, you know, nations and the territorial integrity. Well, I'm pretty clear. I did a podcast on it. I did an interview with Scott McKay. You probably have seen it this week. The Spectator, where he says Biden needs a war. Don't give him one. And he, of course, talks about the wag the door scenario looms larger as the Biden vortex deepens. Anyone who has seen politics at work knows what happens when someone gets in trouble in the highest office. Clinton used Kosovo. Bush used Iraq. Obama used Libya and so forth and so on. I mean, we were predicting this. Biden's in a hole, so he's got to go to war. There's no reason. Do you see any national interest in this? No. In fact, that was another question of mine. Like the, Russia's main beef, at least uh, officially, is, um, you know, that they don't they just want America to say that the, or the, not to have Ukraine and NATO. I mean, if that's the main concession to avert a possible World War Three here, I, I really don't see that as the biggest deal. You know, suddenly the Hawks and everyone come out and you know, we can't. But where's the opposition? What are we? The only five people on Earth who are seeing reality here? Look. So that's the other point I wanted to make. Like, so what is the America first position? And also, where is Trump in a sense? He is the leader know. of the Republican Party. Um, yeah, where, I know where McConnell is. He wants the war. He came out in favor of it. And remember, his wife's in the shipping business. So they're going to make a lot of money moving uh, men and material around. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm I very think- cynical about this. It's terrible. And we got to go back to the um, Josh to the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, because we know that Kennedy got Khrushchev to withdraw the offensive weapons in Cuba and return them to the Soviet Union. And Kennedy took a big bow for that one. But what people do not know is that it's identical to what's going on now, because secretly, Josh, the United States agreed that it would dismantle and remove all of the Jupiter MRBMs, which had been deployed in Turkey, pointed at the Soviet Union. It's identical to what's going on now. So Kennedy looks like he was a big hero. But Khrushchev said, take the missiles out. So why can't Biden understand that he's got to not put missiles in? That's all. It, isn't that all that Putin's doing? I think. Yeah. I mean, with just the assurance that which we won't put Ukraine in NATO, which NATO doesn't even want Ukraine um, in there. That's uh, the insanity of this. Well, who's pushing them in? Nobody. It's just <laughs> no. And NATO does not want them. They don't want it for this reason. They don't want to have to defend uh, Ukraine against Russia. Uh, I so see. Well, I know Russia uh, so, does not want missiles pointed at them. And I would think if uh, we woke up one day and we heard that the president of Mexico was bringing uh, missiles into Mexico pointed at the U.S., what the hell do you think we would do? Yeah. And Ukraine's attached think- to Russia. It was part of the Soviet Union. It's not a landmass a thousand miles away. 
he said something also very interesting that I I, I don't think a lot of the public understood. But when he threatened, um, you know, to maybe move some troops into what you're saying, Cuba, and he mentioned Venezuela, which there's actually a dispute over there in Venezuela um, yes. between that and this uh, Ganya over like there was major oil interest. <laughs> yep. So, so it wasn't a mistake of what he was saying about Venezuela. Um, yep. Well, you, Rick Grinnell, the former ambassador to Germany, very, he was appointed by Trump. He's a very balanced moderate. He said to Newsmax, Ukraine disaster has only terrible and bad choices. What in the hell are we doing there? And what's bizarre here and not so bizarre is the the hatred for Russia that comes out of the American Democrat Party. Remember, Hillary kept wanting to attack Russia, hated, hated Putin over. No one understood that. And I have to remind the audience, Jay, that it was Trump and Putin together, combined force, U.S. Air Force, special forces that drove ISIS out of the Middle East initially. We worked with Russia. Obama dragged his heels and let ISIS grow into a cancer that almost took over the Middle East. And so. Why are we attacking our one natural ally against radical Islam, which is Russia? Well, maybe we could say that Obama, who is soft on Islamism, is pulling the strings again. It's all over. It's all over again. It's Obama, too. Everyone says that. It's actually Obama, three. What do you think? What do you think Obama's pulling the strings on, on Biden? I think somebody obviously is. I mean, I think he has an inner circle of people that he's been surrounded with throughout, you know, his vice presidency. Uh, I don't think we'll change anything up. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, from what I understand, actually, Obama is the first president uh, to actually stay in Washington, D.C. after his presidency. I think it was <laughs> one other for a couple of weeks just because he was sick. Uh, My God. But, um, yeah, he set up shop, um, Valerie Jarrett's uh, in there. Um, I think he is. It's just whose interest is he pulling for? I mean, you have Hillary Clinton coming out of the woodworks for 2024. I mean, maybe in a way they want to set him up for a disaster. Um, oh, God. Have her sweep in and be the savior of the party. I see. Well, people are saying what, what we're saying, which is that, Biden's becoming more unstable. He's becoming more dangerous and that the war is a good choice for him and his sick mind and the fools around him, because in a time of war, people tend to stop criticizing the commander in chief politically and they rally around the commander in chief. It's a good way to shut up dissidents, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, also, interestingly enough, um, the UK is also gung ho, and Boris Johnson himself is in the, a bit of a predicament and can use an. Isn't nice that war. convenient for him? I never liked him. I've always felt him felt him to be a shallow man. People forget who Boris Johnson is. He's just a, he was a new, he was a newspaper columnist. That's who he was. He's a journalist. We know how, how reliable they are. Uh, I never went for the tussled hair look myself. I didn't fall for that. <laughs> thought that he was a conservative. So we have inflation at a four-year high. We have supply supply chain problems. Store shelves are empty. Um, One problem after another. And uh, Joe is blaming everybody but his own administration. So what's a better way to get out of a tough situation? 
is you go to war with Russia. But the question is, how are you going to get heavy equipment in there? Germany said, no, uh, you can't move heavy equipment in from uh, from through us. We're not letting you do it. We don't want it. They don't want an escalation there. You know, if Russia was threatening Europe so badly with this Ukraine situation, wouldn't you think it's the business of Germany and France and Britain to stop Putin, not us? Of course, that, I think that that's what makes this so obvious that this is about something obviously else. Um, Germany doesn't exactly like you said, they don't want it. Um, it's, it's well, insane. Estonia wants to send weapons that originally was sent to them from Germany to Ukraine. But Germany, which has also refused to share any of its weapons with Ukraine, refused to send them to um, Ukraine. Now, we know that Germany partnered with Russia in the Nord Stream Pipeline project to ship natural gas under the Baltic Sea. Can you talk about the Nord Stream Pipeline for a minute and the natural gas situation? Because if Putin cuts off the gas supply, Europe will freeze to death in the winter. And we're in the winter right now. Yeah, um, even right now, 40 percent of um, the EU is reliant on um, gas coming actually through Ukraine. And that is what the Nord Stream 2 pipeline would do is actually circumvent instead of going through Ukraine, which Ukraine also makes money off of, it would circumvent that and go into the sea and directly kind of to Germany mm. um, and create a major dependence. There's already a dependence right now, um, but this would be a major dependence um, forever on it. Um, Trump put the sanctions on that right away. Because he was no nonsense. He understood this. Like, he understood, you know, you want to talk about NATO, you want to talk about defense alliances. You can't have it both ways. You can't be, you know, go out and say, I'm going to be reliant on, you know, on Russia for our energy needs. And then, you know, we need you uh, in NATO to defend us when we need defending. Right. Um, He forced them to make a decision. Um, And, and then actually Biden's first move in office was one of the first moves was to remove those sanctions. We'll be right back with more from my interview with Breitbart's Joshua Klein. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. We're back with Joshua Klein from Breitbart. Listen, Jay, this is disturbing. The the fact is, is that Ukraine's ambassador to Germany, Andrzej Melnik, said Germany has a blood debt it should pay. Blood debt it should pay. Listen to what he said. This responsibility should be toward the Ukrainian people who lost at least 8 million lives during the Nazi occupation of Ukraine. Duh. The Russians lost 30 million people to the Nazis. What What, what is he talking about? What blood debt? The Russians are the ones who defeated Hitler in uh, in in, uh, in Berlin. You know that they lost 400,000 troops in the last few months of the war just to take Berlin. Do people know this? They don't know anything about it. So the fact is, Germany's foreign minister said, we're not going to uh, help Ukraine. But Estonia, God knows why they're involved, is not giving up. Their uh, advisor to the Estonian defense minister said, hopefully we will get the approval from Germany. Why are they so hungry for war with Russia? Well, they're just hungry for somebody to defend them. I mean, unlike Germany, I mean, the, the Baltic uh, countries, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, I mean, they're completely dependent on, you know, outside support, NATO for their yeah. own defenses. 
So they see in their minds, Ukraine goes and they, they think they're next. Um, well, Estonia is like, you know, Rhode Island compared to Russia. <laughs> I, I don't think they offer a real threat to a look. I, I'm, a, I'm a practical guy and I'm peace, a man of peace. And I loved Trump because I said he was a man of peace, not a man of war. He brought peace to the Middle East. I'm surprised, as you said at the beginning, Josh, where is he on this? I think Why is he not taking a strong position against this insanity? That's why I think uh, maybe that's why I wanted to get your per- perspective and maybe offer him some advice, especially well, if he's coming in in 2024. The things he says have major you know, meaning to it. Uh, this is a potential president in three years from now. Um, yeah, so you know, you're raising can- a very sensitive and important question, which is where is Trump on my uh, podcast title? No war in Ukraine. Don't tell me he's in favor of war. <laughs> I I don't think so. He, I, I don't get it. I think you need to articulate the position. Um, I think there needs to be an articulated America first position on where we're at right now. It's not an ideal situation. We're not with the ideal president. Um, it's not a good situation, but neither is a nuclear holocaust. And uh, I don't think it's too hyperbolic to say that we're not dealing with, you know, some third world country here it's not afghanistan it's not you well, know, it could happen by accident that's the problem yeah. that's how world war one started i i keep making the analogy you know the guns of august people don't realize that world war one actually happened by accident there was one egomaniac in one country uh facing off against an egomaniac running the other country and then it escalated there was no reason for world war one now we have Almost a similar situation. Of course, it's different, but a similar accidental war about to happen because it's very simple to stop this. Putin has said, do not let Ukraine into NATO. Do not deploy missiles in Ukraine. and I will not invade. He's on record saying that now. So what Biden should do, in my opinion, is simply say, OK, we don't want war. But if you step one, you send one soldier over the border, we're going to deploy our air force against your soldiers. And that's the end of this, the, the, the game. You're saying and give the insur- uh, the assurance that um, Ukraine will not be part of NATO. Yeah, we're not going to let Ukraine be part of NATO if you don't invade. OK, agreed to pull your troops back 50 miles. We will not deploy. They will not be members. So then you see what happens mm-hmm. now. If when he pulls his troops back 50 miles into Mother Russia, what, what do we do then? Then we join, let them into NATO and then put missiles in there. I don't think so. I think once they're on the record, that could stop it, Josh. So I'm terrified that stupid people are running this government because I know what they've done to our border. Mayorkas is a criminal as far as I can. I've never seen anything like this. This guy, is he in charge of Homeland Security? Where did this guy come from? And how does he get away with this on a daily basis, flooding us with illegal aliens? And by the way, talking about that, to me, national security includes keeping diseases out. He has flooded America with a million illegal aliens, many of whom were infected not only with COVID, but with other diseases. Where do people think this sudden spike occurred in all these cities? Where did it come from? Out of the blue? He let Haitians in. He let Nicaraguans in, El Salvadorans and Mexicans. Many of them were were infected with covid they were not wearing masks when they come over the border they're not they're not injected meaning they don't have a vaccine they were not tested for covid 
And then he sends them all over the country and there's a spike in the disease. That's two and two make four to me. Even beyond that today, I think he said that they could use their arrest warrants as IDs. Their, their oh, yeah. unlawful entry, unlawful as in they broke the law. And right. Well, the I think they should, use their arrest, they should use their arrest warrants uh, for Social Security. After all, they have fought in wars and they've contributed so much to our society. So another war is brewing. It's all wag the dog media optics. Of course, then you got the Republicans and the military industrial complex salivating. We've already sent, I think, six hundred and fifty million dollars in equipment to Ukraine. So someone's made a fortune on that already. It's similar to Clinton and Yugoslavia. And I see no party standing up to this. Josh, have you heard one? Major politicians say no war. No, that, that's that's why I thought of you. And that's what scared <laughs> me. I, I, I at least somebody needs to articulate I'm only something. A talk show who's become a podcaster. <laughs> I'm not known anymore. Hey, you'll be surprised how strong your word can get out there. I am only a blogger and a podcaster and a, an occasional mischief maker on Newsmax TV. <laughs> but where are all the other so-called conservatives? Where, where are they <laughs> on Twitter? I mean, we don't live in a generation of statesmen anymore, you know. The, no, but I mean, all the neocons who pretended to be conservatives, I won't even name them. Some of them have big radio shows. What's their position? Do we know yet? Nothing uh, too cogent that I've heard of. I are mean, they waiting to see which way the wind blows to see exactly. which, way they should, which position they should take? Yep. They're afraid if they if they come out against the war, they'll be seen as pro-Russia. Yep. Hmm. Great men. Just what we need at a time like this. More quizzlings. More more opportunities to profiteers. (laughs) We'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. We're back again with Joshua Klein on the Michael Savage Podcast. I'm looking at the latest news, and the latest news is Germany throws a wrench in Ukrainian defense blocks, transfer of Soviet-made howitzers. Has anything new come up since that article, Josh? Um, nothing major. I mean, I think they are trying to clean it up a little bit on the surface to make it seem like they're more united. But, um, you know, it still seems like, you know, uh, Germany still holding that position. So um, nothing on that front. I mean, on the scarier front, you know, we have to talk about 8,000, 5,000 troops moving over there. Uh, nuclear aircraft carrier is already on its way. So, I mean, this is this is happening. I mean, things are in motion. This is beyond just rhetoric. But if Biden were to declare war, what economic impact would this have on our society and on the world? With the pandemic, we're already at a breaking point. How can we even afford this? And let's not forget that this commander in grief, Biden, abruptly withdrew from Afghanistan, left behind billions of dollars in advanced equipment, left men and women behind who were slaughtered. A rape epidemic is spreading across the area. This same man who pulled out abruptly out of Afghanistan is now going to go in abruptly into Ukraine. It sounds crazy to me. Yeah. And he's creating the the fear even. I mean, by talking about evacuating the embassy, another embassy being evacuated. um, I mean, it's he's literally creating the conditions and the fear for a major miscalculation at the very least. I can say that. Um, I don't know, 100% to say more. You, you write at, at Breitbart. You're the editor-in-chief, correct? Um, um, I'm a, one of the investigative reporters. All right, uh, fine. That's that's great. 
you know what's going on. You have an ear to the ground. Do you agree with me that a majority of American people left and right do not want another war? Would you say? Uh, 100%. 100%. I don't know anyone on on the right other than warmongers who are going to profiteer from it or anxious to jump out of an airplane and go kill Russians in Ukraine. I asked the last guest, how do we as a nation stop this before it's too late? And he said, well, you know, email your congressman. I said, are you kidding? What has that gotten us? The border is wide open. It's terrifying. I think we've lost our government. We have no voice. We have no power whatsoever, which is why when the left wants something, they riot. They march. Mm-hmm. I can't riot and I can't march because I'm busy working. How about you? The same. But I mean, George Soros hasn't sent you a check this month to go riot and march, has he? <laughs> not this month uh, <laughs> he's late on his payments mr Soros. um Biden, got crash another currency to pay <laughs> okay so i would just from my point of view unless you have a specific question i want to summarize we have an unstable and dangerous lunatic who really belongs in an old age home where he can get the care he needs the blanket the warm pillow some ice cream and ice you know reruns of hee-haw whatever he likes just a nice quiet time in the old age home you know any one of us who's had a parent go to an, a senior facility this is not a laughing matter i don't rejoice at his floundering the man clearly is exhibiting pre-senile dementia he has every have you seen him staring off into in the middle of a statement yeah have um, you seen his walk the walk is that of tardive dyskinesia yeah I'm and these are medical conditions that any doctor who studied this can tell you what he what drugs he's on he's on major medication That's where the thought of dyskinesia comes from, the weird gate, that Frankenstein-like gate, staring off and stopping in the middle and grabbing the air like this. Mm -hmm. Okay, the man's suffering. So he's not running anything. We all think it's the Obamaites who are thirsting for war again. Uh, And yet we have to remember when uh, Obama was president and Biden was vice president, Russia took a large peninsula without a shot being fired. Does anyone remember that one? Yeah, which is funny. They try to make it sound like this is the precedent, you know, that this has not happened before that, you know, that's why we have to stop it. And, yeah. <laughs> what was the name of I bet nobody listening. I bet no it one already happened. I bet no, any, no one listening to this podcast, one out of a thousand would know what peninsula I'm referring to that Russia took without firing a shot under, under Obama Biden. <laughs> I would hope that's some of the, some of the years. What's the name of it? Come on. Oh, the Crimean Peninsula. You know. My wife knew the average American doesn't know Crimea from Crayola. So he took Crimea, which had been part of Russia since at least the 15 or 1600s. He said it was part of our natural land. He's doing the same with Ukraine. People should understand that Ukraine has a very spotty history as a nation. And there's eastern Ukraine largely and western Ukraine which is uh, a largely Ukrainian speaking and Eastern Ukraine is largely Russian speaking. Of course, there's a lot of overlap and most people speak both Russian and Ukrainian. But there is a dangerous element as well. I'm not naive. Hitler used the same exact excuse when he took German speaking areas of Czechoslovakia, uh, for example. And he said he's just restoring the land that was taken from him. Remember, I mean, it's the same exact story. So there is an outside chance that Putin, who is known to want to restore the Soviet Union to its glory days, needs to be constrained. There's no question. But war is not the answer. This is a question for diplomacy. This is a question for top flight diplomats, not these 
college jerk offs that work for Biden. Have you seen these people and their conversations, their faces, how empty, how vacuous they sound and look? I'm not optimistic at all. What about you, Josh? You think there's going to be a movement? You think there's going to come to a a peaceful conclusion that Biden does the diplomatic thing and says, we're not going to da 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 da. If you don't invade, we won't put missiles in there. And that's the end of it. You think he'll do that? I think that I put it at a 75% chance in my head. But again, (laughs) the the act, that's how wars, again, start. And like you mentioned earlier, it's the accidents. There's just. Yes. You set things up and then the accident happens. Once you're starting to move ships and soldiers and sending in aid and doing unprecedented things, and we're dealing with a nuclear-powered, you know, country. I mean, they have hypersonic weapons that they just tested pretty damn accurately, too, that uh, surprised Biden's uh, intelligence agency. I mean, this is no pushover. Well, he's looking for white nationalists in the military. They're too busy. (laughs) That's No, it's, it's laughable, but it's frightening. I would yeah. I would welcome I would actually say that if you look at all of the crosses and war on war memorials around the American military cemeteries, uh, most of them were would be considered white nationalists today. They fought for America and they were mainly white. So what you want to rip the crosses off now and disinter everybody? And what are these people insane? Yes. See, this is the problem, Josh. I used to joke and say liberalism is a mental disorder. And people laughed at me and said, that's very clever. And as time has gone on, the book was published. I don't know when. Twenty. Oh, two, 20 years ago, I wrote liberalism is a mental disorder. People said, oh, come on, you're exaggerating. They all said, you know, you were eerily right. This is mentally disordered thinking. You need a guy like Kissinger to step in and make peace here, not war. And we don't have a a Kissinger. Who is our ambassador doing the the work? Who's our secretary of hate? Blinken? (laughs) Yeah, we don't even actually have an ambassador to Ukraine. Um, and that goes also a little bit back to what I was saying. We don't have statesmen. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we have states creatures. I go. I know no, <laughs> no states women either. I'm Michael Savage. Back in a minute. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. We are back. Well, we can snicker all we want. But we know that oh, Biden is getting in trouble, is in trouble politically. We know he's unstable. He couldn't kill the filibuster, remember, to push illegal voting. Remember that a voting rights bill would have eliminated voter ID, which 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 four fifths of the American people supported. Right. And the voting rights bill would have institutionalized ballot harvesting and allowing illegals to vote. So he was stopped by two Congress, two people. So what's he doing now? Got bad inflation. We got supply chain problems. Blame the meat packers. We had vax mandates. Nobody liked them. Nobody wanted them. And the fact of the matter is, what is left for him to do? Well, there's a few things they could try to do. Go to war. Or, for example, there's something else he hasn't done yet, which is try to pack the Supreme Court. Remember they talked about it a few months ago? Yeah. Court packing. Yeah. FDR tried that. And even the socialist FDR was blocked when he tried court packing because he couldn't get his way with the Supreme Court then. People don't know that. Even he backed off from that one. But I think in losing on the filibuster thing, Josh, he's not going to try court packing right now. He knows he can't win. 
it's impossible. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's getting scary. So what, what is, uh, what are the options here? What, what is left? Um, How about the crazed Muslim who took the Jews hostage uh, in, in, in the Texas synagogue over, over last uh, week and the Biden administration wouldn't call a jihad initially. Yeah, I actually I see that a lot of parallels between that and uh, Benghazi, to tell you the truth. How? Um, in the sense that it was coming up on the one year. It's a little bit different. I mean, Benghazi was happening a couple months before the 2012 elections with um, mm-hmm. under Obama. So they had a huge interest in covering up a Islamic terrorist attack on an embassy killing an ambassador mm. for the first time in 27 years. Um, blaming it on a you know YouTube Muslim video that uh, never existed. Mm. Um, uh, so the it was coming up on his one year anniversary of his you know he's going his news conference, all of his successes. Um, so I think that he had an Josh, interest in you know wanting to play this down. Josh, where is the War Powers Act? That's where? actually <laughs> that was the next question I have right here on my now, paper. It used to be an act. Congress had a vote on committing troops to war. When did that change where we had a dictatorship emerge in front of our eyes? I don't remember when it changed where suddenly a president could make that decision unilaterally. Um, might have been during the Iraq war when the, all the authorizations that were given. Um, but yeah, that was actually the next question to revise that. Um, well, I don't think we're going to have time to do it. I think that some terrible things are going to happen before that happens. I don't think there's much chance of stopping these lunatics. I don't know that Putin's going to back down now. You know, he smells weakness or he wouldn't have moved that many troops in. He could almost play that chess game out in advance. He saw what Biden did in his abrupt and chaotic and uh, very destructive withdrawal from Afghanistan, leaving behind billions of dollars of advanced equipment. He sees that Biden is weak. He sees he's senile. He sees he's surrounded by the very same people he dealt with under Obama. And he pretty much has read them and he knows he can do what the hell he wants with Ukraine. So now why is this jerk pulling out ambassadors, pulling out families and moving, saying he's moving troops in? That was the latest news today. We're moving troops in. Yeah, that's these are indications of him actively wanting to inflame the situation. Uh, That's what was very scary today with this new even Ukraine. They were saying this is. Why are you doing this? Ukraine, Ukraine said what? Uh, they were very upset about that. They were moving their uh, evacuating their embassy. They said this, this is uncalled for. This is provocative. Oh, they said that. Yeah. Ukraine. Oh, they're, they're my God. For themselves. Trust me. They're, um, they're, well, they're the ones who are going to receive the, yeah. the, the, the brunt of, of Russia's wrath. They were very upset about this. Oh, my God. They expressed it. Um, um, <laughs> so where does Burisma and uh, Hunter Biden fit in all of this that's a very interesting angle which i think is an important angle to be that needs to be explored but can't be explored <laughs> that's another catch-22 here we can't do that until we have a majority in congress <laughs> and that's not happening until yeah, eight months from now and we have a possible war in eight days from now who knows so it's another one of these everything's the catch-22 here um, well when you have a man who is pre-senile who's got taught of dyskinesia by my estimation. Hmm. I'm not an expert on, uh, on neuro, neuropsychiatric disorders, but there was a time I actually was 
running a small thing called the Alzheimer's Research Institute. It was a small think tank. I studied this in great detail, and I studied all the symptoms of Alzheimer's because we all fear it's one of the worst diseases anyone can get, and many of us will, will eventually succumb to it, et cetera. But the symptoms are quite clear. This man is showing signs of dementia or pre-senile dementia. He should not be in that White House. They should yeah. remove him for the safety of the nation and the world. And then what do we have? We have <laughs> the, the giggler. The giggler yeah. steps in, who is actually worse than Biden, because she's a stooge of Nancy Pelosi, who's probably the most corrupt person in the history of American politics. Look at that topic, huh? They <laughs> asked her what she thinks about Congress people not trading in stocks. She said, oh, it's a good idea. Let's get around to it in the year 2029. <laughs> yeah, they're all all the socialists are suddenly capitalists. Um, yeah, she said, I'm a capitalist. To that. Yeah. I believe in the free market economy. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to making a fortune of inside So what are we the average... Josh, what can we, the average person, do? We just sit here and watch the world go by. I mean, that's it. Is that what it comes down to? Just laugh at it all, know what's going on, and just smile with grief? No, I mean, that's for the, honestly, I, that's, I was looking for some sage advice. Um, <laughs> well, don't look to me. I told you, I'm just, you got to have something. I'm a former talk show host, and now I'm simply a podcaster trying to live out my quiet retirement. Uh, <laughs> That's that's the Mylansky joke. What, you, what would be your message? You remember, you remember that joke when they when they in the movie where Lansky tries to get into Israel? He's running from <laughs> all of his crimes in America. And the news reporter asks him, what, what is he doing trying to escape the law? He said, I'm simply an American investor trying to live out the last peaceful last years of my life in peace in Israel. Remember, uh, <laughs> I forgot. What was the question? Um, no, looking for sage advice. Um, don't look to, I don't have sage advice. If we have an idiot in the White House with free senile surrounded by hateful sorority boys, there's no advice you can give them. No. And, like, when you, and, and Josh, and when you have no opposition party other than greedy warmongers and stupid people looking to cash in on it, whichever way the wind blows, we the people are stuck. We're just stuck. I don't have any advice. I contact your congressman. Yeah, I no, think I'm going to write an email to Nancy Pelosi today. Say I'm against war in Ukraine. I think that'll go over well. Maybe no, I'll even I'll send an email to the San Francisco Chronicle. They'll, they'll pay attention. President, what about President Trump? That's I, I see that that could be. I a, have, I have a his option. I do have. We need contact direct to his. Current inner sanctum. It doesn't mean I will get an answer. Well, can you uh, articulate what your advice was to him? Um, or, uh, yeah, I, I did articulate it, and I didn't hear from him. I sent it over the weekend. <laughs> it, it was my Newsmax TV piece from last week where I said Biden's wag the dog war against Russia. It was pretty clear what I was saying. I articulated some of the same points that we've made today in this little conversation. Certainly, I didn't get a call. Hello, Michael. You're great. You're a genius. Can you be my uh, advisor till I'm president again? I didn't hear from him. No. So I know what you're implying. You're a little worried about which way he's going to go. Yeah, he um, should have said something by now. So the MAGAites would know uh, what to think. That's that. which way to turn their hat. You exactly. know, the beak should go to the right or the beak should go to the left. That, that, that is the current <laughs> situation. No joke. <laughs> Um, no, no, there's no joke, but they, they need a leader. The leader has to speak. Yeah. So the leader has to say no war with Russia. Yeah. And the leader should actually organize uh, 
protests against war with Russia. But he knows what will happen if he does that. They'll accuse him of being soft on Russia. They'll prove there's Russia collusion. So he's huh. trapped. That, that hasn't happened before. But remember, he's trapped. See, no matter what he does, they got him in a box, which is where they wanted him all along. So he comes out against the war. They say this proves there was Russia collusion. He worked with Putin. And if he doesn't come out against the war, what will they say? He's weak. He doesn't know what he's what to do. No, yeah, yeah. In my opinion, he has a record. He has look, he was president for four years. NATO was much stronger. Russia wasn't threatening to invade other countries. There were sanctions on everything we were talking about was in place. And this didn't exist. We had a secure border at home. We were taken seriously abroad before. I think for that reason, we were able to speak with authority and credibility about, you know, the the sanctity of uh, nation's borders. Right now, we can't. Um, We'll be right back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Thanks for staying with us. We're back with more on the Michael Savage podcast. Let me ask you this. What is Breitbart's position on this situation? I I haven't seen much on it. Um, it it's a reflection of exactly the problem that I'm <laughs> that we're talking about, that there isn't a coherent. Oh, you know, philosophy of how to deal with a, a America first situation like this, which like, is it has no national interest for us. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that, you asked me the day it, I saw it. I said, wait a minute. This is a no brainer. Where is our national interest in this dispute? The answer is nowhere. It's Europe's problem. Let them solve it. That is Michael's position. Yeah. You can put that on the headline. And they don't even care too much. That's the insanity of it. So I think it's who doesn't Europe. I mean, at least oh. Germany, the major power of Europe, they, they don't seem too interested in wanting to poke the Russian bear. Um, oh, 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 they they're, they would rather sit it out. Yeah. And, and um, not provoke Putin. Yeah. They, they don't want to cut off the, the gas yeah. out of the Caspian Sea. And the Germans will have to burn, burn their, their mahogany furniture that their grandmother left them. Yeah. So uh, that's why I think by, you know, articulating all these points that are, it's just so clear that we're the ones that are warmongering. Um, yes. You Isn't know, that should, odd? The same man who pulled out abruptly from Afghanistan now wants to uh, go in abruptly. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of sexual kind of has a sexual connotation to it. He pulled out of Afghanistan abruptly and now he wants to go into Ukraine abruptly. I don't know. Maybe they're giving him too much. Uh, you know what? In in the in the medication department. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> look, it, it, it's not a laughing matter. But at at a certain point, and I discovered this under the ty- tyrannical eight years of Obama, in a free society, which we are still free to a certain extent, the only thing we have left is ridicule. There's nothing left. All we can do is ridicule these clowns. We can't do anything else. And we know what happens when they don't want when they won't tolerate ridicule in North Korea. So keep ridiculing, keep mocking Biden. It's all we can do until there's a groundswell of mocking him until he's mocked out of office. But then again, we get the cackler and Nancy Pelosi's machine. That would even be worse. 
We look back to the good old days of, of Biden. Could you imagine that? The moderate Biden. Can you imagine if a year from now we're looking back to the good old days of moderate Biden <laughs> when that Harridan nutcase cackler takes over? <laughs> uh, I, I know you're getting a headache. Yeah, I don't even want to think about that. I mean, it's not that uh, far-fetched. Um, no, no, that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go from very bad to very worse. Yeah, I um, mean, people don't understand history. Um, I mean, <laughs> they're not even in schools or anything right now, so they don't understand much except video games. Um, but how fast things can go from, you know, bad to worse when you're dealing with, you know, serious countries. Right. Well, to avoid war, Biden just says Ukraine will not be put in NATO, will not point missiles at you. Uh, but if you move troops at all into Ukraine after we say that, we will send troops and more weapons. That's the end of the ball game for the moment. You don't abruptly say, let's take out the diplomats and let's bang the war drums and show we're tough. That's the mark of a weak leader who's yeah. not thinking. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would hope to hear that from yeah, President Trump and other leaders in the GOP at the very least. Um, well, the minute I get off this call with you, I'm going to, uh, <laughs> for whatever it isn't worth, I'm going to email the inner sanctum and see if they give a damn. Uh, yeah, I think it was if he properly understood the context of this. Um, yeah, well, maybe no one's advising him properly. Rick Grinnell is his former ambassador to Germany as opposed to it. So he may be, some people must be telling him, you know, yeah. this is a bad idea. A lot of stuff is just talking. It's uh, given over in talking points or in tweet versions uh, oh. sit down and really explain to him yes uh, under you this didn't happen this didn't happen for a reason this is the un, you know the unideal situation that we're in what is you know the best that we can make of averting war um, well all I should say is keep up the great work at Breitbart I love your site it's my number one site to go to I try to link it on my tiny little website michaelsavage.com let me know if you need anything more. I can always pick up a phone and give you additional uh, unwisdom. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, all, all pearls of wisdom. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, I have it recorded also. Um, yeah, I'm going to put it together into a story form. Um, try and wake the people up, hopefully before it's a little bit too late. It's funny know. that we have to actually educate the so-called conservatives, the so-called right about this? They don't understand what this is? No, it's a, it's a more complex situation. It's multidimensional. I mean, usually it's it not that a lot easier to understand another conflict. It really isn't that complex. Not that hard to understand. No, it's not. Here's my answer. There's no national American national interest in Ukraine. Zero. Zero. Any other question? What are they kidding me? How much clearer they'll can argue it get? back and they'll say, well, OK, then, well, then we have a national China is going to be watching this and China is going to move into Taiwan and that we do have an interest there that can affect our economy. Oh, so we have to show we're tough there yeah. to prevent uh, t China from taking Taiwan. That's their counter a little too late for that <laughs> uh, to show we're tough. Um, look, we're at the beginning of something terrible with this incompetent, sickly old man surrounded by fools who hate this country, our greatest national security 
threat right now is what Mayorkas has done to our border. Permitted a million people in, maybe more, many of whom were infected with COVID and tuberculosis and other diseases. It's actually a war crime. But I don't want to wind up in the basement of the Congress <laughs> without medication. By the way, can you explain that issue to me, the January 6th people? There are 570 people being held against their will in a jail under the in the basement of the Congress without habeas corpus. How is that possible? How are they not released on bail? Where's the U.N. on this? It's a, it's an insane situation. People don't want to really associate themselves with anything that has to do with January. Of course, we're all afraid we'll be lumped in and picked up by the Secret Service for even saying, wait a minute, this is un-American. So there's really that this fear of that there has been a few people that have spoken up about it. Then they're labeled, you know, sympathizers. Oh, um, I see. We're really in the Soviet Union, aren't we? No, it's gotten really bad. <laughs> there are people that do want to talk, they, but they don't. They would love to speak up about it, but they're afraid. Um, well, I'm afraid too. I'm not a fool. Talking about the, you know, four hundred, five hundred seventy people locked in a basement jail. Since the January 6th riots, literally without habeas corpus, the U.N. should come and visit because some of them are being held with conditions that are not not acceptable for an American prison. They're getting worse care than murderers are in some prisons. Yeah. And I mean, the this is just a story that just kind of passed along as if it was nothing. The DOJ creating a domestic terrorism uh, force. Oh, um, oh God. OK, well, some more people sitting into these prisons. Well, may our ancestors in the next world look down upon us with kindness and keep away all evils. <laughs> uh, amen. <laughs> amen. All right, Josh, good luck. I look forward to the article on Breitbart. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks Bye, for your time. Thank you. Bye. Right, it's good catching up. Thanks. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.